Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Ladies and gentlemen, we are in a battle of good versus evil, of insane versus normal. Hey, welcome, by the way, and hope you're having a happy Monday. We are. It, the world is completely out of its mind, and there are a couple things that I'm going to show you that you're going to go like, what the hell? All right, first, let's go to Tiger Woods' apology, shall we? Tiger Woods, for those of you that don't know, uh, got out drove by his buddy, Justin Thomas. And Justin Thomas, uh, younger, stronger, more active, whatever. Tiger Woods, 47-year-old, walking around on a bad leg. But Tiger Woods hands him discreetly a tampon. It's a great joke, and I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, my golf bag will now have golf balls, golf tees, tampons, golf markers, and uh, clubs. <laughs> well, I don't give a damn who gets mad at Of course the world exploded. Of course women's group went nuts. And sadly, and I mean sadly, Tiger Woods apologized. Let's hear it. With JT from 9 yesterday, is kind of going viral. Can you kind of just explain your thoughts behind it? Yeah, it was supposed to be... You know, all fun and games, but obviously it's, it hasn't turned out that way. And if I had offended anybody, it was not the case. It was just uh, friends having, having fun. And uh, as I said, if, if I offended anybody in any way, shape, or form, I'm sorry. Um, it was not intended to be that way. Uh, it's just, you know, we, we play pranks on one another all the time. And uh, virally, I, I think this did not come across that way. But you could just tell that when Tiger Woods first is like, you got to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me. So people react. Sherman Woodard, who is, I don't know, a, a counselor at a high school here in Indiana, because I said Tiger Woods' uh, tampon joke is further proof that society's battle isn't left or right. Democrat, Republican, it's insane versus normal. Sherman <laughs> Water. Dockage, isn't it about 28 days or so you got on here moaning and cramping over the concept of woke? A concept that challenges your white male heterosexual privilege, gets your juices going. So put the tampon in your mouth and stop being hypocritical. Well, I don't know where I'm being hypocritical. Uh, you know, I don't know. I'm just simply telling you it's good versus evil. See, but people want to spin things. Now, then he threatens me. He says, I've been trained to handle tough guys like you. I'm telling you. And I'm old enough to remember when Sarah Spain, who is all about this. Now, when Sarah Spain and women get mad at it, they always go to the penis. They call it little penis energy, although they don't say penis. Or they talk in, plat or not platitudes, but in nicknames, golf bros. Golf bros, that's like a derogatory term to dudes that play golf. Uh, that's Christine Brennan's. Uh, Spain's is always little blank energy, and Brennan's is always the golf bros. Well, I don't care about either of them. Look, I'm old enough to remember when Sarah Spain made a video saying, I'd F uh, Steve Bartman. 
I'm old enough to remember when Sarah Spade sold herself on the internet for tickets to the Super Bowl, and now she's a champion of women. Good for her. Champion women all you want. And Christine Brennan, don't care. But it isn't them. It is a battle versus sane versus insane. It is a battle versus evil versus good. I'll give you another one. Look at this up here. They're going to put up. This is from an actual sitting congresswoman. Put this up here about the family. Extremist group Family Heritage Alliance said this morning that the safest place for kids are in families that have a married mom and dad. What a dangerous and un-American belief. It's dangerous to say that a mom and dad should be together. It's dangerous and you are an extremist. Now I want you to think about that for a second. You are an extremist because you say and statistics will back you up on this, the safest place are in families with a mom and a dad. I'm telling you, this is a battle of good versus evil. This is a battle of insane versus sane. It just simply is. It is. That's all it is. This isn't Republican, Democrat. This isn't red, blue. This is nothing liberal, conservative. This is, we are insane in this country. We have let the insanity permeate. But the truth of the matter is, they really don't. They really don't. I don't know about you, but I spoke to a lot of people this weekend. A lot. I finally got healthy. I went over here. I worked out. I went to the store. I doored down. I had a great weekend. I went uh, to Indiana State, Illinois game, sat in the, um, uh, sat, went to a bar before the game with my wife and our friends, had a great bowl of chili, sat with a bunch of people, former Indiana State legend, Brad Miley. I mean, the whole thing was great. And talk to people, and not one of them, and this is what you got to understand, not one of them, not one male, not one female, gave a rat's you-know-what about anything other than, you know what, by Tiger Woods, that was pretty funny. But here's the deal. We got to get back to sanity. We got, we got a president right now. I want you to think about this. We got a president right now is in the Ukraine. We've got a catastrophe Uh, less than an hour flight away from where he is in D.C. in East Palestine. And he ignores, why? A lot of people think because they're poor white people. A lot of people think because they're poor white people in a conservative state. Insanity that we're giving our money to the pensions for people in the Ukraine. Insanity. Normal would be, hey, look, America first. Save America. But those words are like racist. What are we doing? It is insane versus sane. It is not Republican against Democrat. We got the most hypocritical media in the world. The guy in the Indy Star, multiple affairs. I know about him. I helped him. Stock, oh, the whole deal. But he is the voice of, like, morality in Indianapolis. It's unbelievable. Incredible what we're into. Again, I'm old enough to remember when Sarah Spade was somehow went from, I don't know how, sitting on her ass here doing like updates at WMVP to having a national radio show, but she bitches about being more marginalized. Hey, look, good for her. Good for her and all her success, but you just get tired of it. 
It's insanity. And the word save America or America first or make America great again are like these toxic words. It's insane. We should want to make America great again. We should want to save America. We should put America first. In fact, I've told you this is the first time in my life I don't want to pay taxes. I don't want to pay taxes. I don't. I mean, I'm like, why are my taxes? Why is $1 million going to an Inflation Reduction Act for Michelle Obama's walking path? And why is Michelle Obama so freaking egotistical that she wants that? Look it up in the Inflation Reduction Act. One million of it is going to Michelle Obama's walking path. I'm screaming. I'm yelling because I'm telling you, this is why I left ESPN to be part of the fight. And I expect blowback because I am buying a Save America hat. I am buying an America First hat and my ass is going to wear it on the show. I don't want a president that just wants to give us a, a little bit of breathing room. No, I want Make America Great. That's right. I can't take it anymore. Extremist group Family Heritage Alliance said that the safest place for kids are in families that have a married mom and dad. What a dangerous, that's dangerous. Why? Well, we're not respecting the the unwed mother. Great. No, we are. We're just saying the safest place. Well, you're not respecting blah, 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 blah. Shut up. It is insane what we're doing here. Guy can't even, guy can't even make a damn joke on a golf course with his buddy. Or else you get called racist. I get called racist. You don't want us coming after you. I'm at the point in my life where I don't care who comes after me. And that's a great place to be. We got a monster show for you today. We got a guy that was literally, think about this. So we only see the majors, right? Wimbledon, U.S. Open, uh, Australian Open, French Open, right, in tennis. But it's like everything else. It is. It's like everything else. They make their money, these, go- these uh, tennis players do, on the tour. Well, I got to tell you, there was a guy who did real estate. He's a real estate agent. He gotten into the draw. His name, and I'm going to say it back, Madej Perkotic. There he is. He beat the number eight player in the world. We got him on our show coming up. All-Star Game Weekend, Indiana basketball. We got it all to quote Costanza. I, I got stock up. I got stock down. But the bigger question is how long are we going to sit back and let social media and let people that move the goalposts? I said Tiger Woods did not have to, did not have to apologize, and I get called a hypocrite. Why? Did I, wh- 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 where is that? It? But the people like this guy Sherman, they can't wait to sling it their way where they can call you names and then let others jump on. It is the greatest thing ever. It's the funniest thing ever. Honest to God. Honest to God. The world is nuts. The safest place, I'm going to say it, I'm going to look right into the camera, for a child is with a mother and father in the family. And if you don't believe that, good for you. I'm not going to rip you for not believing that. That doesn't mean, I look, I coached many great kids from single family homes. But I got to tell you, if I went back to coaching, I'd do what Deion Sanders did. I would be very careful because I have seen in my lifetime, look, I'm not 25 trying to like change the world. I'm freaking 60. 
I know what I've seen. And I'm going to share what I've seen. And what I've seen is kids from two family homes seem to adapt better. You, two parent homes, you can get mad about it. I don't care. You can get mad, glad, angry, or sad about it. Uh, the All-Star game was this weekend. And I got to tell you, I uh, don't care. Don't care. Don't even care a little bit. Didn't care. Don't care. Used to care. But it's gar- It's crap. It's horrible. In fact, um, I get it we're supposed to not say that because, well, well, I don't even know why we're not supposed to say that. And I get it. People like it. That's fine. Well, you're just 60-year-old white guy. Yeah, maybe. Could be. Don't know. I got no problem if you're mad at me for not liking the All-Star game for being a 60-year-old white guy. The score is 184 to 175. Who cares? Uh, all right, who cares? You know, it really doesn't matter. It's awful. It's horrible. It's not worth watching. It'll never be worth watching. And I'm going to get to Adam Silver coming up here in a minute. But my God. All right. So what else we got? Michael Johnson blasts Tiger Woods' apology. Says he's learned nothing. Michael Johnson is a multi, multi gold medal. Michael Johnson, great sprinter. I got to tell you. I, I got to tell you. I don't care what Michael Johnson or anybody else thinks of Tiger Woods' apology. I don't care even a little bit. Not, he, said, he said Tiger Woods isn't a leader. Well, I'll tell you this. He's a leader in business. He's a leader in industry. He's a leader in branding. He's a leader on the golf course. I don't know whether he's a leader in his old house. I got no idea. But I know this. If you don't think Tiger Woods is a leader, go back to where being Michael Johnson. Just walk around and being Michael Johnson. But Tiger Woods, maybe he didn't learn anything. But maybe he didn't have to. Maybe Tiger Woods did not. I didn't have to. The, the greatest story of the week, ladies and gentlemen, the greatest story of the week, and I want to make sure uh, that I say your name right. I am Serbian. You are Croatian. So I usually get names right. So uh, I'm going with Maria Perkotic. Am I close? Uh, pretty close, but not quite. It's Matija Petsotic. Yeah, see, I knew it was itch. I knew there was the itch. I always screw that up. I'm sorry. Hey, Mattia, I got to tell you, it's a great story. For those of you that don't know, Mattia works real estate. Mattia closed up shop, told his boss, hey, I got to go whoop the ass of the number eight player in the country, Jack Sock. That's basically what happened, right? Uh, Not in those words, but that's basically what happened. Will you walk me through this? You know, we, we see a guy like Jack Sock. I've known Jack Sock's name for 100 years. I remember when he was a phenom coming up. I assume he has all these different guys. You train with a 70-year-old. You train with a 50-something-year-old. Did you know you were, you were playing really well before this match? No, not at all. Um, you know, it took me a couple of hours, you know, to, to play into the tournament. Fortunately, I had one practice on center court the day before uh, when I showed up to sign in. One guy was there, showed up late, needed a practice partner and said, hey, do you want to go hit? So I got one hour on center court. Um, but it's, it's not like I was coming into the tournament in some sort of great form. Just the weekend prior to this, I, I played a pro-am in Palm Beach for the Milken Prostate Cancer Foundation, 
and played with my boss against other similar age or older people. So, you know, one of our opponents was 94. So certainly wasn't in good shape coming into the tournament. <laughs> but you go, you get in the tournament. And it, 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 make sure people understand this. You legitimately worked your job in real estate prior to on the day of the match. Uh, yeah, that's right. You know, my office is couple minutes away from where I live. We're, we're based down here in West Palm Beach. So given that the match was in the evening, I, I thought it was, you know, justifiable to, to go into the office for a couple of hours, take care of some meetings. I had a lot of things on my to-do list that were piling up. So I went and got them done and then wrote an email to the whole team saying, hey, guys, you know, have to leave office early to go play tennis match. Uh, obviously they said yes. And then you had to write another email saying, Hey, look, by the way, I got to take tomorrow off too. No. <laughs> yeah. That was the, the funny, the, the follow-up email was, was pretty funny. You know, most guys usually say, Oh, doctor's appointment, you know, coming in late or doctor's appointment, I have to leave early. And I said, you know, have to go, you know, just beat former top 10 player in the world. have to leave office early tomorrow. That's pretty good. You're 33 years old, which in my world is incredibly young. But in the tennis world, you know, it's old. But this isn't like, I mean, the one thing is, this, this isn't like you were some amateur coming out. You had played full-time on the circuit prior. Uh, that's right. You know, I, I got to 206 in the world uh, about a year and a half after college. But this was, you know, 2014, 2015 when I was full-time <laughs> on the tour. And... Uh, so, no, it's not like I was a weekend warrior my entire life, but it, it had certainly been a while since I had played at this level and, and never at, at the ATP level, um, you know, in a main draw. So, so this was a pretty big deal for, for me. That's sort of, you know, what players work for. Um, but, yeah, it, it had certainly been a while since I played at that level. So you're beating Sock, right? Uh, you're beating him. You're, yeah, here we go. We're going. We're going. What, what, what's your brain telling you? Well, um, for those who didn't watch the match, I started the match down 4-0. And, uh, right. you know, that, 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 that typically puts a lot of pressure on you. And a lot of things can start creeping into your head. You know, you can say, oh, my God, I'm going to lose this match 6-0, 6-0. Oh, my God, everyone is watching. What are people going to say? And, uh, you know, I had a game plan coming into the match. I had four specific things that I was... Um, planning to do and I was pretty close to executing on that I just needed a little bit of time to get things going so when I won that first game to go down 4-1 um, I said look let's just keep trying this thing and, and let's see where it takes me and uh, you know eventually I won the second set and played a really long sixth game in the third when I was up 3-2 and, and that sort of put me in that winning position but to close it out first time asking didn't expect that. So, you know, because people always talk about um, the hardest thing to do is close somebody out, particularly somebody, you know, guys eighth in the world. Same thing like in in basketball, game seven or game six, the closeout game is the hardest game. So you're sitting there and you know you got a chance to close this guy out. Were you just so focused on the task at hand, or did other things drift in in the last game? 
Uh, you know, when someone's serving 140 miles an hour at you, you don't have much time <laughs> to think about other things. And, you know, in between one of the points, I said, you know what, e even if I don't close it out in, in, in this game, you know, Jack was serving, but I said, even if I don't close it out in this game, and even if I end up losing this match, I'll say, you know, I'll have a great story for the bar. Um, you know, life will continue as normal. I have a bunch of things to do at work tomorrow anyway. So maybe that eased some of the pressure <laughs> of, of winning that final game. But um, it was pretty special. But, I, you know, I, I've, always, I, I've always thought this growing up, you know, in sports, coaching for a long time. It, the difference, though, is, yes, you played this guy well. Yes, you got beat. It, it's, it's monumentally different from, wait a second, I won. Winning is so much different than, <laughs> yeah, man, I gave it all, right? I mean, it's just different. It, it, it is. No, you're absolutely right. There's a difference between, you know, showing up and playing a good match as opposed to getting over the finish line. Um, I, I, you know, I, I don't know what to tell you. It, it's so many things had to come together for this moment to happen. You know, the fact that I didn't get into the tournament, but then got in because one guy pulled out 10 minutes before the fact that I, you know, played two that I had, I had sort of previously trained with or played before and knew how to play them and knew, knew how to beat them. Then the odds of being drawn as a qualifier against Jack Sock, you know, there were four qualifier spots. So that's a 25% chance of getting the match against Jack. And then to play on center court and then to do it the way that it all happened. I mean, this was like so many dominoes came together that this was like, I don't know. Maybe it's destiny. Maybe it's sports destiny. Maybe it's the tennis gods telling me, hey, man, you got a little more in you. So, Yeah. How, how difficult or easy was it to get ready for the next match? It, it, it was pretty easy. You know, I, I guess the, the pressure, if there was any, the pressure was off. Um, you know, Marcos Giron is a, is a guy that's ranked 50 in the world and, and playing some great tennis. So it, there was no real expectation for me to, you know, to go and beat him. Um, you know, I went to the office the morning of that match too. Sure. And, um, you know, did, did the best that I could. I worked with the physios the night before. There, there was, it was not difficult to get ready. I wish I had an extra day after the Jack Sock match, you know, even though I'm not the um, unfittest guy around, they, I certainly would have enjoyed a little bit more recovery. My legs were pretty heavy. But, um, you know, business as usual, approaching the match, I had a game plan. I had, I had a strategy. I had my chances in the first. I didn't take them. And, and in tennis, you know, that's enough to lose a match. So. It's seven or eight points difference. Yeah, I mean, it's always a fine line between winning and losing. I don't care the sport. Will you play more? Will you play uh, in any more events? <laughs> you know, I think leading up to this event, I, I sort of, you know, anticipated to play what was local and what was around. But um, given the response from people all over the world from this story, I don't know. Like, there could, there could be more tennis in me. I certainly feel inspired to go play. My body's holding up well. And, you know, you mentioned I'm 33, but of the last 10 years, eight of those 10 years, I, I wasn't playing. So I, I feel like a sports car that's been locked up in a garage with not a lot of mileage. So there let's you go. See. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, let's go. A Tesla ready to rock and roll, been sitting there uh, forever. Who? How was How was Sock after the match? How was Jack Sock after the match? You know, I, ha- I haven't seen him. Um, I certainly owe him a dinner, and uh, and I, you know, the the, the story's gotten so much hype. I want to take the guy out to dinner, thank him for for being part of the story. Uh, I I don't know what uh, people have been saying, but you know the head the headline is a little misleading. I'm I'm not, you know, 800 in the world. It's not like his level dropped, and it's not like he played a bad match. I I think Jack Sock has uh, a, a lot of upside, and I think he can definitely return to to where he was in the game, which was eight in the world. I mean, he he didn't forget how to play tennis. He still serves 140 miles an hour. So, you know, I'll have to catch up with him and then fill you guys in. Let me, let me ask you, so the 70-year-old that you practice with, or in your words, you know, kind of upper 50s guy that you practice with, they don't serve at 140? <laughs> no, the, 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 the joke with my boss is he, uh, he plays so slowly that sometimes I can, I can return my own shot by running to the other side of the net and playing with my... <laughs> <laughs> no, they don't serve 140, but but I tell you, they they're out there, you know, four or five times a week, and it's you know maybe it's that discipline of them being out there that keeps me, um, you know, so close to the game. They're always out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's a it, look. I mean, you know, you try to tell people, you know, tennis is like this. I, I had a uh, a nephew that kind of came up with sock. Uh, he wasn't whatever. He didn't make it, but. It's like golf. There are so many really good, great golfers, so many great tennis players like yourself, you know, like 200 in the world. Think about that, 200 in the world. There are a lot of tennis players, and you got to 200 in the world. That's, you're, you're the elite of the elite tennis players. Yeah, no, I appreciate you saying that and seeing it that way. Unfortunately, in our sport, um, you know, where you really get, a career and where you make a career is if you're, you know, it's not even top hundred. It's like top 30 or top 20. You know, if you're top hundred, you right. can, you can earn a living for a couple of years. But, um, you know, if you were 200 in the world in, in the NBA or in the NFL, you know, you have a, a, a long successful, you know, financially rewarding career where you can sort of retire after you're done in tennis. That's not the case, but, um, you know, the sport's changing. I think that, there, you know, there's enough dialogue and conversation about how to grow the pie for tennis players. Um, and, you know, I, I think over time, you know, more and more guys and women will be able to live from the sport. But right now, it's, it's a very, very steep funnel uh, in, in the world of tennis, which is why yeah. I need to have a full-time I mean, job. <laughs> yeah, right. That's why, you're, that's why you're in real estate. Hey, it was great talking to you. Congratulations, man. And I hope that we're following you. So, you know, uh, we'll be at least, you know, we'll be following to see what tournament you're in because I love stories like this. And it seems like you got a lot left in the tank. So good luck, my friend. Thank you. Thanks. That hey, look, guy goes out real estate and he goes and plays. But you got to understand, I mean, there are like every country club has this great tennis player or this great golfer, and he's going to make this guy 200 in the world is pretty damn good. Uh, it's not pretty damn good. It's freaking outstanding good. No, honest to God, it's ridiculous. So 
you know what? Good for him. Good for him. You know what I mean? I mean, that is absolutely tremendous that you're going to go out and do that and then beat Jack Sock to number eight player of the year. And thanks to everybody on our team uh, for getting that done and getting him on because it is a great story. It's not a good story. It is a great story. And Kaylee, uh, Caitlin, excuse me, uh, getting her done for us. We got a monster for you today. We got a monster for you all freaking day. I got to get into some Indiana basketball, Purdue basketball. I'm going to tell you something that you're probably going to go, wait a second, Homer. You're a Homer. You're just a Homer. Well, maybe I am, but I'm going to tell you how to make some money when we come back. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back and their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless from researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience. Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. You know, college basketball is heating up, and I got to tell you, I mean, let's just be honest here. You're going to be looking for someone to bet. I'm going to give you the best bet that you can get in terms of futures. There's a, lo- there's a bunch of them. And there's a bunch of good teams. Alabama bounced back from getting drilled. Kentucky has bounced back. You got to give Kentucky great credit. They went to Mississippi State and they beat Mississippi State. And then here comes Tennessee, fresh off a monster win against Alabama. And they came into Kentucky where Kentucky has not played great. Kentucky has not been Kentucky. Well, guess what? Kentucky whooped up. And I mean whooped up on Tennessee and got a big win. But the best bet as I see it, to go to the Final Four, and if you want to sprinkle some candy on a national champion is my beloved Indiana Hoosiers, and I'm going to tell you why. First and foremost, Indiana has enough players. you got to have enough players. You just do. you got to have enough players. You're not winning the NCAA championship with just guys. you got to have pros. Now, I don't know. Those two guys right there are both NBA players. Will they end up as NBA players? I don't know. A lot of people, the kid on the left, Trace Jackson Davis, has a lot of doubters. He does. He's got a ton of doubters in the world of college basketball. No, he doesn't. In the world of NBA basketball. People doubt. Can he shoot the basketball? What's he do as a pro? I know this. I know he has improved. I know he is tough. I know he's been an awesome leader for Indiana. And I know he can score it around the bucket as well as anybody in college basketball. He brings the ball down the court. And the kid on the right 
is a kid named Jalen Hood Shafino. Now, Jalen Hood Shafino is a freshman, and he played like a freshman against Illinois until the end of the game. But this doesn't matter. That's number one. you got to have enough players. They have enough age. Uh, Ray Thompson's 26 years old, even though he's afraid half the time. Uh, uh, Cooper Cup is uh, one of their guys. Miller Cup, whatever. He makes a couple shots. Uh, they're fine. They've got enough guys. But the thing that makes Indiana difference is they don't beat themselves. They've become a very well-coached team. They've become a very, very good late execution team. They make others make mistakes. There was a play in the Illinois game where an Illinois player dunked it on Jackson Davis and then foolishly taunted him. It was a bad call, a ridiculous call, an idiotic call, but it was a call nonetheless, and the kid put himself and Illinois in a bad spot. Indiana doesn't do that. They've gotten a kid named Xavier Johnson got hurt, and it's been a blessing. Not for him. Feel bad when kids get hurt. But it's helped the team. He is like nuts, and everybody has to calm him down. And whenever you have nuts and everybody has to calm a crazy man down, it takes away from the team. They don't have that anymore, and the ball goes in to number one's hands. And number one is an uber-confident kid. So here's the deal. Indiana plus 3,000 to win a national championship. That means you put 100 bucks down. You get 3,000 back. Indiana plus 700 to win the, uh, excuse me, to get to the final four. Means you put $100 down, you get 700 back. I got to tell you, I've watched most of these teams. It's a hell of a lot lot better bet than betting on St. Mary's. I mean, there are a lot of teams ahead of Indiana that I would never, ever, ever in terms of going to the final four. Houston, fine. Alabama, fine. Purdue, fine. Kansas, okay. Arizona, yes. UCLA, fine. Baylor, no. UConn, yeah. No. Texas, no. Tennessee, no. They're all ahead of Indiana to go to the Final Four. St. Mary's, no. Iowa State, no. TCU, no. Uh, I said Texas, no. Gonzaga's the same, maybe. But I'm just telling you, Indiana's a way better bet for the money than these other teams. To get to, to the NCAA winner. Fine, Houston, Alabama, fine, Purdue, Kansas, yes. UCLA, sure, Arizona, Baylor, no, Texas, no, UConn, no, Tennessee, no. Virginia, maybe. Gonzaga, no, St. Mary's, no. Uh, Gonzaga, maybe, actually. TCU, no, Creighton, no, Marquette, no. They're not close. I'm sorry, they're not. So what you do is you look at all these teams and you say there are one, two, three, four, five, six, about six teams, a, a seven, ahead of Indiana to get to the Final Four that you would bet on. But Indiana's got the best number at plus 700, or plus 3,000, I'm sorry, to win a national championship. Same thing to go to the Final Four, but it's plus 700. I'm just telling you right now, call me a homer all you'd like. You can call me a homer all you'd like. The other team that I'd like uh, is San Diego State. They're plus 8,000. 8,000 to win a national championship is probably too much, but 1,500 to get to the Final Four ain't bad. They'll probably be in the West Regional. Who they got to beat? Arizona, Gonzaga, they'll probably play each other. I'm just telling you, Indiana's team does not beat themselves. They do not. They don't beat themselves. They execute down the stretch, and execute down the stretch means throw the ball to Trace Jackson Davis. Same thing with Purdue. It's going to be a great game coming up on Saturday night. I will be there, but I got to tell you, Uh, You cannot sleep on Indiana if you are serious about betting on the national championship or the final four. Now, a lot of you are saying to me, well, you're just a homer. Well, you can think that. 
I got no problem if you think that. No problem whatsoever. But the truth of the matter is, I try to shoot you straight here. Also, in college basketball, I like Alabama. The number's not great, plus 150. But I got to tell you, here's what I like about Alabama. Alabama gets beat. All right? Alabama, fine. You get beat. You're going to get beat. The last undefeated team is 1976. Let me say that again. 1976. Hell, I barely remember 1976. And that was the first time I really, really fell in love with Indiana basketball, 75 and 76. But the truth of the matter is no one's been undefeated, so you're going to lose. I mean, we all know you're going to lose. I mean, what the hell? All right, so what happens when you lose? What happens when you get divorced? What happens when you lose a sale? What happens when you lose a job? What do you do? What do you become? I don't know. You tell me. Do you fold up shop? Does one loss become two? Does two losses become three? No. You know what Alabama did? Alabama's sitting here 13 and one. You know what Alabama did after they lost to Tennessee? They won 109 to 59. 108 to 59. I want to say that again. 108 to 59. That is a 49 point spread. Now, Back in 2000, I think it was 2000, yeah, I think it was 2000, maybe 2002, I can't remember. One of the two. We were number 26 in the country at Bowling Green. We went to West Virginia. The day before, one of our best players, uh, his cousin got killed. He had to go to a funeral. Another player acted like an idiot. I had to stay home. Okay, we go to West Virginia. Not a great West Virginia team. We're 26 in the country. We had just won a tournament in Hawaii. Beat the University of Hawaii on their home court. We get beat by 46. This is why 49 is interesting to me. We get beat by 46, and I'm driving. I drove back with my assistant because I didn't want to yell and scream the whole time on the bus, which I would have. But we drive back, and I told my assistant, watch this. Division I team against a Division I team. Nobody's going to lose by 46. I'm telling you, nobody's going to lose by 46. So whenever anybody loses by more than 46 or 46 and more, I kind of celebrate it. I go, all right, yay rock, go fight, win. So there you go. Alabama, to me, is a real squad. This is not going to be one of those squads that gets beat in the NCAA tournament by North Dakota State or Texas State or Little Rock or one of those. Uh Uh-uh. This is going, if they get beat before the Final Four, it's going to take a Houston. It's going to take a, a hot Kentucky. It's going to take somebody with great talent. That team is legit. And they're legit because of what they did coming off of a loss. Now, you're going to say, well, South Carolina's no good. I don't care if South Carolina's good or bad. It don't matter to me. I watch what they do after they lose. All right, let's get into a couple of things. You know, coming up, we're going to talk, we're going to talk what does a four-day in darkness. I want you to think about this. Scott Berman is Sky Caves Retreats. He puts people in the Aaron Rodgers four days of darkness. He's coming up around 10:15. But before we get to Scott, did anybody see the DK Metcalf video? Can we show the DK Metcalf video? DK Metcalf, it's unbelievable what DK Metcalf did. Can we show it? Watch it. Now, I got no idea if that's real. 
I have zero clue whether that's real. If it is real, then I don't feel as bad. If it's not real, I put it out on a tweet and said, can you believe the Colts took Ben Banigou instead of this guy? I have no idea. Real or not, I don't care. You know what he got? He got a drug test. He did. He got a drug test. He got drug tested by the league after this video surfaced. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the most glorious thing that I have ever seen. DK Metcalf lifts up. He goes up. He's up in the air and makes a catch. And he gets drug tested. Oh, honest to God, it's fantastic. I don't care if it's fake. In fact, Taylor Lewan, the lineman for the Titans, said, man, I don't care if this is fake or not. This is awesome. It is awesome. So good for DK Metcalf. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I think this is how I would be. There is a report, ladies and gentlemen, there is a report that the Green Bay Packers are tired of Aaron Rodgers. There is a report that says they are disgusted with Aaron Rodgers. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a simple question. Just being a fan, just being one of us out here, just being a guy out here, all right, wouldn't you be tired of Aaron Rodgers? Like, wouldn't you be like, all right, Aaron, um, yeah, you know what? You're great. You're wonderful. We love you. You're terrific. Um, But we're getting kind of disgusted. Bob McKinn says that he has seen all the telltale signs. He went, Rogers did, on a four-day retreat. That shouldn't bother him. That should not bother him. But McKinn says they are done with Rogers. He's not coming back. I mean, they're disgusted with him, and they're done with him, and they are moving on. Now, apparently, the Packers think that Jordan Love is the second coming, all right? Uh, And his four-day retreat, which we're going to explain to you with a man named Scott Berman. Listen to this. According to McGinn, this was eye-raising. Among a few league or team people I brought this up to, the reaction is I can see why the Packers would consider trading him. Seems like a good person, but he might be more trouble than he's worth. That's from Peter King. Now, I got to tell you, Rodgers, to his credit, has said that he would, he would be willing to rework his contract. But let me ask you, YouTube chat people, aren't you tired of it? Aren't you just like, wouldn't you just be like, oh man, look, you've been here 18 years. We love you. You're going in the Hall of Fame. You're going in the Ring of Honor. You're going in everything that you need to go into. But you've kind of become a smug D-bag. You know, you kind of have become the guy that we're tired of. Just tired of. I, I am. I'm tired of him. And I don't even, I don't know, I, I, I don't even deal with him. I love him on Pat's show, McAfee's. I think he's great. I think, it's, it, I think it's must-watch television because he sits there all smug. He sits there like he owns the world, which he might. 
hey, I'm not going to lie to you. The dude is a popular guy. The dude is somebody that, you know, you kind of love, uh, you know, watching, listening to. He's interesting. But the fact of the matter is you get tired of it, right? I mean, you just get tired. Now, the bigger question, where does he go? So let me ask you, Indianapolis Colts fans, doesn't this seem perfect? Does Rodgers to the Colts make sense? Does it make sense from the standpoint, and don't just say because the Colts have taken older quarterbacks, all right? No, 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 that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about because the Colts took uh, Phillip Rivers, because the Colts took Carson Wentz, down on your luck kind of guys, and because this year they made an unbelievable mistake and took Matt Ryan. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about does he fit as a guy that would lift the franchise out of the doldrums? See, I think so. I don't think anybody is going to think this. I think it does because here's the deal. Remember, when Tom Brady walked into the building of Tampa Bay, it lifted everybody. Uh, it lifted the entire building. When Peyton Manning went to uh, the Denver Broncos, he lifted the entire building. He made everybody, I call it sitting up straight. He made everybody, everybody go, wait, we got to be better. We, we got we to be better. We, 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 we do. We got to be better. We got to be, all right, he's the greatest. He's going to raise our level. He's going to do what it is that we need to do. All right? That's how I think Rodgers is. I think Rodgers is the guy that when he walks into an operation like the Colts, think about this. The Colts have nothing. Think about this. The Jets have nothing. I don't care about Mike Moore. I don't care about Zach Wilson. He elevates both of those teams. He elevates the Jets. He elevates the Colts. Teams that are in doldrums all of a sudden get to here. There is a little hope for the Jets because they had the offensive and defensive rookies of the year. Don't get me wrong. There is nothing that you point to with the Colts and go, that's really good. Darius uh, Shaquille Leonard, their stud middle linebacker, he don't even want to play. He's sad. Okay, well, be sad. Quentin Nelson, their $20 million guard, he don't, he not ain't good anymore. Their wide receivers aren't good enough. Pittman too slow. Uh, Alec Pierce, okay, but he needs a quarterback that's going to make him look good. Their tight ends are okay. There is nothing there. Same thing with the Jets. There really isn't anything there. Garrett Wilson, of course, but there really isn't anything else there. You need an elevation. Who else needs an elevation that doesn't have a quarterback? I would argue that Arizona needs elevated, but they got a quarterback. I would argue that Denver needs elevated, but they got a quarterback they've invested a ton of money in. You could talk about Carolina, maybe, but all I'm saying is when you have Aaron Rodgers, you are lifting your franchise. As soon as he walks in the building. Now, He would have to acquiesce. He would have to humble himself, which I think he would after 18 years going on his 19th, coming into a building. And he would have to go back to being the Aaron Rodgers that endeared himself to teammates, didn't separate himself from teammates. But the fact of the matter is, I would love to see Rodgers to the Colts and not, 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 no, not as the, oh, golly gee, Uh, we're just going to do, you know, whatever. 
we're just going to bring him in here because he's another old guy. No, that's not what we're talking about. No. So if you are a Colts fan, and I know there are many of you out there, don't think of it on this little micro level as this is just Ballard doing what Ballard does. Think about it on a broader level. It's what I tried to tell you when we discussed Brady coming in. Look, do you think it's any coincidence? Let me ask you this question. Is it any coincidence that Aaron Rodgers, excuse me, that Tom Brady left the Patriots and won a Super Bowl with a new team? Is it any coincidence that Peyton Manning left and won with a new team, the Denver Broncos? Of course it isn't. And this is something sports fans don't really understand. Sports fans look at it on too shallow of a level. It looks at it on too shallow. you got to look at it on a broader level. Is your organization, the L.A. Raiders, the L.A. Raiders are down and out. they got Devontae Adams, good player, but they're down and out. Hey, look, San Francisco is not. So, whether Aaron Rodgers is the same quarterback or not really doesn't matter. Peyton Manning was not the same quarterback. Tom Brady was. Tom Brady was really, really, really good. Peyton Manning was hurt. There are those of you that will tell me, one, Peyton Manning shouldn't have been MVP when he was, and two, they won in spite of Peyton Manning. I don't buy either of it. I'm just telling you, whether Peyton Manning or Tom Brady are the same quarterback, it does not matter. They elevate the franchise, and that's exactly what this guy does. I'll tell you something else. There's very few guys out there. The Colts tried to make us think that Matt Ryan was that guy, but Matt Ryan's 28-3. He lost the Super Bowl. That's what players look at. The Jets tried to make you think that Zach Wilson was the future, but what was Zach Wilson? Zach Wilson was another guy that climbed in the draft. Remember, all of the guys that climb in the draft or get traded for aren't any good. They're just not. So when you're looking for somebody to elevate your franchise, I'll tell you somebody else that should take a look at it. They can't because they have Tannehill and they have Malik Willis, but I will tell you, I would look at him in uh, with the Titans. I think between him and Mike Vrabel, you've got something that could potentially be ridiculously special there. But I honestly think, I honestly think that it makes total sense for the Colts, the Jets, anybody trying to elevate. I'll tell you somebody else. It, I wouldn't go there if I were Ryan. But the Texans got a decent... Who's better, the Texans or the Colts? Who's got a better roster? Who's got more weapons? All I'm saying to you is give yourself a chance. You give yourself a chance when you bring an all-time legend into your building in the NFL. See Peyton and, of course, see Tom Brady winning Super Bowls. I'll tell you something else about all-time legends. We're sitting here and we're doing a lot of talking about Tiger Woods and Tiger Woods getting through the Genesis Invitational. But if you like what I like, which is I like records, I like dominant players, I like when guys are going after home run records, perfect games, I got to tell you, in golf, this is obscene. John Rahm has won three starts, or excuse me, three titles in six starts. 
Now, I want you to think about that for a second. When Tiger Woods was rolling, he won about 24% of, his, of the time out, which was an all-time record. Like what Tiger Woods did in golf in terms of winning percentage was never done by anybody in his prime. Now, it is a short, very short um, amount, six starts, three wins, but damn, I'll tell you something. I think it was, I don't know what it was, the 16th hole, one stroke lead, damn near hold it out. Damn near hit all, knocked in a hole in one. I watched that. I went door dash and I said, you know what? Rom's going to win. No sense in me even watching. But I love greatness. Greatness elevates. And I got to tell you, see the guy on the right in this picture, Tiger Woods? He's become the new Ben Hogan. He's become the new Jack Nicholas. where it's his tournament. So remember, I think it was Ben Hogan, or Byron Nelson, Byron Nelson. The Byron Nelson Classic. Everybody had to shake Byron's hand, and it was a mythical moment for players. All right? It was mythical. It was unbelievable. Well, that's what Tiger's become. And don't let any of these little pains in the ass, Sarah Spain, Christine Brennan, Julie DiCarlo, or any of these people that sit and wait. These writers sit and wait and watch for men. He's juvenile. You're damn right we're juvenile. Go read, uh, uh, <laughs> go read books on men. Wild at heart. You're damn right we're juvenile. Don't ever, ever, ever lose being juvenile. Ever. Never. Man, don't ever stop being juvenile. Ever. Don't be old and washed up. Hell, I mean, I am old enough to remember when that noted yeller of all things male, Sarah Spain, was selling her breasts and herself for a ticket to the Super Bowl on the internet. Or when she made a video saying, I will F Steve Bartman. And now she's the great defender. Yeah, okay. Pull this, it plays jingle bells. Uh, We'll be right back. Men, I'm pleading with you. I'm begging with you. Don't stop ever being juvenile. One of the great compliments I got in my life, an ex-girlfriend from high school was here. We were at a freak, we had a party at my house. We call it the regatta. We get in the water. We, We just, it's great. I dive in. Girl looks at me when I got it. She goes, are you ever gonna grow up, Dan? I go, never. Freaking never. I don't want to be old and washed up. I don't want to be young and bitching about everything. Men, don't ever stop being juvenile. We'll be right back. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hey, let's not even mess around, shall we? Shall we? Let's not. Let's not mess around. Let's go right to stock up and stock down. You know, Andy Reid's stock up. Look, I, horrible father, apparently. <laughs> I mean, my God, let's, uh, but anyway, um, Andy Reid stock up. Here's the deal. Andy Reid has won a ton of things. Andy Reid is one of these guys that does not 
owe Eric Bieniemy one damn thing. Andy Reid doesn't owe Eric Bieniemy to go be, oh, I don't know, the offensive coordinator. Nothing. In under Andy Reid, and I got this from Jason Whitlock, Donovan McNabb was headed to the Hall of Fame. Michael Vick, enormous contract, second career, post-prison. Alex Smith, pro bowler, three out of five seasons. Patrick Mahomes, two MVPs, two Super Bowls. Yeah, you guys want to credit Eric Bieniemy. God bless you. That's great. Andy Reid, 17 seasons with 10-plus wins. Now, is that Eric Bieniemy? I'm tired of hearing about Eric Bieniemy. Uh, when Andy Reid took over the Chiefs, they were 2-14. and 14. They hadn't won a Super Bowl in 40 years. He went 11-5 and five in his first year. Now, let me ask you. I don't know what to tell you. So Bieniemy goes, and he is going to go now to Washington. But why? If Eric Bieniemy was so great, why is he headed to Washington? Why didn't the Chiefs do everything in their power? See, I get tired of all the apologists, and I know why everybody's an apologist, because it's easy. It's easy. Well, Eric Bieniemy is the reason there's racism. He's the example of racism in the NFL. No, he's not. Eric Bieniemy has had more interviews for head coaching jobs than anybody over the last five years, and he hasn't gotten one. Whose fault is that? Now, somebody said, well, you know, white owners aren't comfortable having dinner with black coaches and their wives. What a bunch of crap. I mean, you can make up anything that you would like racially, anything you would like. And it'll fly in this world. You want to make up something? Make it up. Dockett, you're a hypocrite because you're defending tampons and golf bags. I am defending tampons and golf bags. And there will be tampons in golf bags in my bag, whether people like it or people don't. That's all I'm going to tell you. I don't care. Real people know. Anyway, I digress. So Eric Bieniemy is the savior of Andy Reid. I just gave you the numbers on Andy Reid. So at some point, the conversation needs to uh, be moved from Andy Reid uh, and Eric Bieniemy to the greatness of Andy Reid. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Stock up, Rex Ryan. Hey, look, football needs Rex Ryan. Rex Ryan has interviewed for the defensive coordinator's job uh, out in Denver. Good for him. See, I like Rex Ryan, and I'll tell you why I like Rex Ryan. I like Rex Ryan because occasionally, and I don't know what show it was, but when he was a coach of the Jets, Rex Ryan used to come on one of those national shows um, on Cirrus. And again, it may have been Mad Dog. It may have been, I don't even know. But whenever he was on, I stopped at turning the channel and I listened. I paid attention. I wanted to see what he had to say. He's interesting. He's funny. He's irreverent. And I got to tell you, I'm tired of everybody being dull. You ever watch that show that he's on? I worked with Sam Ponder. Sam was great. But it's just like giggly. And everybody, everybody interrupts everybody else. I've never understood the appeal of that. I've never understood. And Rex Ryan, though, when Rex Ryan talks or Rex Ryan goes on on Monday, uh, I like it. He's interesting. I'm sorry. 
And I like interesting people being in my sports. Now, if I were the head coach, Sean Payton, of the uh, uh, Denver Broncos, I'd be like, hey, dog, you're the assistant coach now. You're going to be highly paid. I really don't need to hear from you, but I'd hire him. He is a freaking genius, Rex Ryan. He is. He is a defensive genius. He learned it from his dad, Buddy Ryan. Dan Hampton tells a great story about Rex Ryan trying to, and his brother Rob trying to steal beer uh, out of their dad's truck. It's a great story. Good for him. I've always liked Rex Ryan. He's a reverend. You don't like Rex, good for you. Make your foot jokes. Hey, look, I don't have fetishes, and feet certainly aren't one of them. But, hey, it is what it is. Uh, Indiana women's basketball. I got to tell you. Indiana, a few years ago, hired a lady named Terry Morin. And Terry Morin uh, was a Purdue gal. She coached at Purdue, or played at Purdue. She was from Seymour, Indiana, which is in southern Indiana. I'm a big fan of southern Indiana, all right? Terry Morin comes, and I called the AD. I go, what are you doing hiring somebody from Purdue? What's wrong with you? They had just let Kurt Miller go for a variety of reasons. Kurt ends up now the L.A. Sparks. And they hire a lady that I'm like, I don't care. She's from Purdue. All right? Fast forward, they're 26 and 1. Fast forward, they sold out Assembly Hall. Fast forward, they cut down nets as Big Ten champs for the first time in 40 years. I was at Indiana at that time. Denise Jackson was a stud. I didn't realize this. I think she was the Big Ten's MVP while being pregnant with running back Johnny Salters' son. I think that's true. I'm 99.9% that's true. So Indiana and Terry Morin, stock up, man. Stock up big time. I mean, you do something that hasn't been done for 40 years. You do something that has never been done. Indiana University women's basketball sold out Assembly Hall. They've never sold that place out. Not one time. Zero. Zip. Nada. That's it. Never. How about that action? It's pretty good. Um, Georgetown basketball. Georgetown basketball cost me money yesterday. Georgetown basketball has been awful. I am a big, big Patrick Ewing fan. I like Patrick Ewing. Patrick Ewing is my age. And when we sat in and I would um, do games and I did Georgetown Duke and a couple others, Patrick Ewing was always awesome. And we would sit there and I would tell him, like, look, man, look, 1984, I so wanted to play you guys. I screwed it up. Uh, against Virginia, but I wanted to play it because I wanted to punch Michael Graham. Michael Graham was a badass. Michael Graham was the baddest man in the country. He was. He was. He was a bad, bad man. So Patrick Ewing takes over Georgetown, and it's not great. It's 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 not great. They're struggling. They got one Big East win all year. Now I'll say that again. They got one Big East win all year. Here they come into what people call the Cathedral of Basketball. Hinkle Fieldhouse in Butler. Guess what? They beat him. They beat Butler. Butler was coming off a hell of a win against the number 13 team in the country. They beat him. 
They beat him the hard way to grind it out back and forth. Got down 13 to 3. So stock up Georgetown basketball. I've watched enough Georgetown basketball to know that that might be the best, the best one-win team in the history of any league. Like, I'm watching them, and I'm like, wow. Wow. Holy cow. Are they good? Man, congrats. Stock down. This is easy this week. You know, there's a guy named Mike Clevenger. So Mike Clevenger is a pitcher. Mike Clevenger somehow, someway has made a lot of money. Mike Clevenger is with the White Sox now. You see him there in a San Diego Padres outfit. So Mike Clevenger apparently, apparently has a problem, a violence problem. He is warning of litigation against a Chicago radio station because his wife went on there and accused him of domestic abuse. His, I'm sorry, the mother of his 10-year-old child, Olivia Feinstad, painted a sordid picture of Clevenger, accusing him of choking her last June, taking her phone so she couldn't call the police, talks about him as a drug abuser, drove a car while on acid with her and her two kids uh, from another woman, He's got two kids with another woman. Uh, All of this stuff. And she crushes him on a show in Chicago. Parkinson Spiegel. Good show. Great show. Well, he's now saying he is going to take the radio station, Parkinson and Matt Spiegel, to court. Good for Parkinson Spiegel. It's not any problem. You're nothing until you're a radio host that is being taken to court. I was. We didn't end up going to court. And, they, uh, you know, my little friend Greggy the adulterer Doyle made a deal about it. But the truth is, it wasn't any deal. You're nothing if you don't get taken to court. Stern, Bob and Tom, everybody taken to court. So Clevenger is defending himself. The White Sox have a problem because apparently with this guy, it's innocent until proven guilty. So he's going to show up at camp. I don't know. The White Sox uh, said it did, it, it did not know about a seven-month investigation. He says he's been cooperating, but he ain't suing nobody. It's like Pat McAfee and Brett Favre. They ain't suing nobody. Ain't nobody getting sued. Get out of here with all that crap. Now, somebody will use it against Parkinson Spiegel in an article later on. Well, you know he's going to get sued. Good for him. Get out of here with that crap. Donald Trump. I love what Donald Trump did as a president. I hate what Donald Trump is as a person. I I hate it. And I don't understand it. I don't understand why Donald Trump has to take shots. Do uh, Do we have the text, the tweet that Trump sent? It's unbelievable to me. Ron DeSanctimonious. I don't know why you got to do that. Wants to cut your Social Security and Medicare. Closed up Florida and its beaches. Loves rhinos. Paul Ryan, Jeb Bush, Karl Rove. Disasters all. Is backed by Globalist Club for no growth. Uh, Lincoln pervert project. Uninspired coke. And it only gets worse from there. He is a rhino in disguise whose poll numbers are dropping like a rock. Good luck, Ron. See, we don't need this. 
Look, if you don't like Ron DeSantis, tell us why you don't like Ron DeSantis without the name calling. I've had enough of the name calling. I want Trump to be the president. I think when Trump was the president, our borders were secure, our economy was rolling, the gas prices were down, you felt safe. Now you feel like there's something going on in our country uh, and nobody's telling us about. But I got to tell you, this crap has to stop. I need to be his press secretary. I've offered to be his press secretary. I need to be his press secretary. I should be his press secretary, but I've had enough of Donald Trump. I'm sorry, I've had enough. Uh, Donald Trump and this crap is just beneath the United States of America. Ron DeSantis wants to cut your Social Security and Medicare. I disagreed with him closing up Florida and its beaches. Stop. He may not be the Republican that he is appearing to be. I'll explain this next time I give it something like that. But it doesn't need to be this. Uh, I, I, it doesn't need to be this. Uh, I, 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 it's, it's garbage to me. And I think most people, um, I think most people will agree with me. I, it's like, grow up. Act presidential. Uh, and be an adult. At Ron DeSanctimon. And I think a lot of people agree. We want you to be the president. We would love for you to be the president, but you gotta stop this crap. You know, the whole the biggest lie in politics, and there are many, is Michelle Obama, when they go low, we go high. She's full of crap. Her husband's full of crap. And again, Michelle, why are you asking for a million dollars? in an Inflation Reduction Act. Well, I'll never understand it, but hey, nobody's going to explain to me. But at some point, you got to act presidential. At some point, run on your record. Your record was good. We were out of wars. The border was secure. The economy was rolling. Run on your record, not on this crap. Joe Biden is in the Ukraine. Joe Biden is in the Ukraine, and Joe Biden is saying to us, hey, look, screw you. Surprise visit to the Ukraine. He's already, I don't know if you saw this, he is giving more aid to the Ukraine, but not for the war, for people's pensions. I want you to think about that. Save America. America first. Make America great again has never resounded more than it does right now. We've got a president that hates us. We've got a president that won't go to uh, East Palestine, Ohio, and if you saw any of the pictures, it looks like a nuclear disaster. Why? Because it doesn't pander. It's poor white people. Now, you can know, and you will know, if that was an African-American community in a state that votes Democratic, liberal, you know he would have been there in a second. That's what sucks about this guy. That's what makes this guy the worst of the worst among us. That's what makes this man pure evil is that he thinks that way as opposed to America first, save America, make America great again. That sucks about him. And it sucks for all of you that voted for him. Adam Silver is the worst, uh, is the worst commissioner in sports. He has monitored a system where players don't play, He has monitored a system where they don't have to play, where players run the entire deal. He has has led basically normal people to dislike the product of the NBA, not because 
black or white because you don't know if guys are going to play. You take your kid to a game and the stars aren't playing. What's the point in going? You know, it used to be you'd look and say, all right, uh, it's Fergie Jenkins against Tom Seaver. Dad, can we get tickets? Now in the NBA, you got no idea, and he has done this. He, again, is more concerned with growing the global game and political correct BS to the point where he wants hey, to Scott, outlaw the last player pick. Hey, He wants to outlaw. We don't want the last player pick. Thanks. How you doing? Because it hurts people's feelings. My God, it hurts people's feelings. Who gives a rat's ass? These guys are making hundreds of millions of dollars and we're worrying about hurting their feelings? Are you out of your mind? I tell you one person whose feelings, I guess, are getting hurt, but he's not going to know about it, and that's Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers went on a four-day, quote, darkness retreat. So as a public service to people, we got Scott Berman from Sky Cave Retreats, at Scott Free I am on Twitter. He puts these type things together. Hey, Scott, really appreciate you coming on. Real, what the hell's a four day in darkness retreat like? What is Aaron Rodgers doing here? Uh huh. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. Um, darkness retreat, in a sense, is where people enter into a space that is completely dark, where your eyes don't just to see your hand in front of your face and Ours are also soundproof. So you enter into a space where the, in a sense, the external world kind of dissolves and disappears. Okay. Um, I'm going to go. It's dark. It's soundproof. Question. How do you eat? How do you go to the bathroom? Those are the, those are the questions that I look at real quick. Yeah. Well, you're not in any rush. And you don't have anything else to pay attention to. So you move slowly and people find that they navigate fairly easily. How? Like, what do you eat? You bring stuff with you? We, I bring up food. So every evening I'll bring up dinner and then also breakfast and lunch for the next day to kind of minimize disturbances. Um, so there is meals brought up. And there's an opportunity to have a conversation to share through the walls there's um yeah there's a, a conversation that's had but when when you bring it up uh, again forgive me for my stupidity but i see total darkness for four days but you oh you bring it in when it's light outside are there provisions so that no light gets in yeah, so there's a double door. There's like a, a cabinet, and there's a door on my end and a door on the other end. So I open the door, put in the food, and then they close it, and then they can receive the food on that end. Scott, how did this come about? How did a four-day darkness retreat become a thing? Um, well, it, it, it has its, its roots in other cultures, uh, from the Hopi, Native American, the Kogi in Colombia, Dzogchen in Tibetan Buddhism. Uh, so it has been a practice of different cultures going into the dark. It's kind of had a modern resurgence now of people going into the darkness to, from a range of people going to just rest and reset and not be bombarded by technology. And for people who want to explore um, what happens when you're no longer seeking worth in the outside world. Have you done it? I have, yeah. I've, I've been in a handful of times. 
what, what's it like? What, what, what are you feeling, um, you know, while you're going, let's say, day two or day three? Are there different stages you go through? Yeah. Um, typically in the beginning, someone may sleep for a long time, which tends to be really nice because you wake up and it's dark and you're a little tired, so you sleep. So some people may sleep for 15, 20 plus hours the first <coughs> in the beginning. And then... Then there's a, a moment of the novelty where people really enjoy being in there and not having anything they have to do. And then there's when the discomfort arises um, because what the hell do you do when you're sitting in a dark room and we're so used to doing things all the time. And so there's this exploration of like, why am I uncomfortable and what really matters? And in our day-to-day -day life, we never really explore or really have much of a curiosity about discomfort. We're always engaging in activities. And not that there's anything wrong with that, but for some people, there is this curiosity of what happens when. How big is the room? You mentioned exploring and, and moving around. How, how big? It, it, it looks very small in the picture that we have there. Can you give us a bedroom size? What, what are we looking at? Yeah, it's about a 250 square foot room. Uh, I mean, there's there's a couple rugs in there that are five by seven. So there is around the corner from in that picture, there's another rug that's a five by seven space. So there's room to roll around, stretch out. Um, yeah, there's it's um, this since birth, we look to others, our culture, our peers, our coworkers to confirm that we're good to confirm that we're worthy, to confirm that we're, that we're good people. And then when one enters into the darkness for the first time in their life, they don't, you can't look to someone else to confirm that you're a worthy and good person. So there's this exploration of what is worth, what does it mean to be good when we don't have our culture telling us what's good and what's right. Is there, and I'm going to use the wrong word here, I think, but it, do you have to decompress at some point from the culture that we're involved in? A guy like Aaron Rodgers goes in, he's bombarded with everything. Is there a time where you just have to, you know, can you feel it inside where you've decompressed here? Yeah, there's definitely, <clears throat> I think that's, <clears throat> that's where the discomfort really arises in that it's, it's, um, that decompression from all the noise and also this like who am i when i'm not this person that everyone sees me as in the world so there is some level of and it varies for everyone confusion discomfort but but from that emerges where people begin to touch something new within themselves that they hadn't seen before because innately we want to be happy and so now we're in this space with like where we have to kind of figure out a new way. When you've done it, um, what it, again, I may use the wrong word here, forgive me, <clears throat> but what change did you feel the most? What, what? Mm -hmm. For myself and, and what I also witness in others is there's um, 
I feel like it, it's it's akin to kind of the wisdom that comes at the end of life for people. Somebody who's just diagnosed with a terminal illness and really comes to accept that somebody who's about to die today, tomorrow, and and if they've come to accept it, there's something that happens in the darkness where one has kind of died to their life as they know it. And for the first time ever, there's not like a looking to the future to be happy. It's not like this dinner's happening or I'm going to go play or something's not coming later that's going to make me happy. And so now you're uncomfortable. Nothing's going to come make you happy later. So there's this there's this uh, exploration of like what is actually meaningful to me and kind of like at the at the end of life there's this like what is really precious is just life itself and so that really emerges in there and as that emerges like someone perhaps at the end of life or who has a terminal illness there's there's a real resting into what is presenting itself right now and so there is a level of peace that emerges there's a level of forgiveness and letting go of resentment. So it, it is similar to kind of an end of life process. You know, um, are you, uh, how long, and again, you, you've seen people like, are, are most people, you know how most people are. They, it, it, I always call it like the Christmas present kind of thing. I'm going to play with the Christmas present, then I'm moving on to other things. Are these life, is this four days, have you seen this to be a long-term life-changing type thing? Yeah. Um, For some people, for sure. I think it shatters a lot of people's, it changes what people where their where their values are. And uh, people go back into the world and they forget, but I think they, they have extended periods of time where they realize that all these things that they thought were important actually are no longer important and what really matters is being there with themselves and so that's that's something unique are you allowed to bring anything in i can you what what do you yeah i mean there's one thing that's unique in how we hold the darkness retreats here is there's we kind of pull spirituality or wokeism or whatever like that's kind of out out the door like this is a space where there is no overlays there's no method there's no teacher there's no teaching it's a space for people to just simply be with themselves and see what unfolds and so some people like to bring in instruments um and there's really no there's no rules and there's no way to do it so that it actually is this universal exploration of like who and what am I when I'm not seeing myself through the eyes of my culture. How did this start? I mean, you mentioned, you know, other cultures uh, have done this and are there variants of this? Do some people go in for 24 hours? You know what I mean? Is there a different levels of this? Yeah. Um, some people go in for 24 hours. We've had people go in for 30 to 40 days. Um, there, there's definitely varying degrees of it. Um, I mean, if you, if we look back to our human history, even a hundred years ago, 150 years ago, where, and maybe not even that far back, there was no electricity, there wasn't technology. So people were familiar with resting and slowing down and being in the dark in the nighttime people just 
have no connection or relationship with that now. And so there is this, what feels like this pull that people have to, which perhaps just innate in us to actually slow down and see what's there when we do slow down. And one thing, and maybe it's not possible to correct it now, but the, the Twitter link, I'm not even on Twitter. Um, and so the, It's yeah. Um, really, the best way to find anything else more about us is on Instagram, and it would be at Sky Cave. I don't know if that's Sky easy to fix, Cave. but just, let me. Yeah. I I will uh, I will correct that. I did try to tweet out that you were on. <clears throat> yeah. Um. Is is we all? My, my wife and I talk about this all the time. You know, the the words get off the grid, that kind of thing. You know, we hear. Because of the proliferation, you mentioned Instagram, Twitter, we're doing a Zoom. I mean, you name it, it's coming at us. Have mm -hmm. you seen a growth in this business? Have you seen Sky Cave get more and more popular with people trying to at least for a day to four days get away from all this crap? Definitely. Yeah. Over the last year, there's been... Um, a lot more interest and it seems like it's exponential and... I think why that is, which makes kind of darkness retreats unique, is it's not like there's one teacher standing on a platform and like attracting people. It's the darkness that that is that thing. And one person comes in, has a profound experience, and then five, ten more people want to come after that. So it feels like this exponential thing. And it also feels like the audience that is interested in it is so vast. Um Whereas, I mean, even something like yoga tends to have maybe spiritual overtones that turn some people off. But the darkness is such a a universal thing where we have people who who aren't meditators, who don't like meditating, who have never explored with ayahuasca or plant medicine, who are just genuinely curious to be in a space where they can get away from the noise and just rest and be with themselves. Scott, how difficult is it after four days in darkness to get acclimated to sun, light, be outside? What have you seen? Yeah, uh, it, it happens pretty quickly. Uh, we usually bring people out in the morning um, usually while the sun's up, but not in direct sunlight. And the first couple minutes can be a little disorienting. It's kind of like everything's moving um but after a few minutes people are able to they're acclimated and able to kind of navigate um, as normal yeah it seems like you're going from zero to a hundred very quickly yeah i mean the the human body is quite quite a thing and it really it happens quickly it's amazing scott i appreciate your time man this is a this is a fascinating fascinating deal i want to make sure that again, you tell us where people can find you because I, I got to tell you, I got people all, all over here, YouTube, different places are very interested in this. Where can people mm -hmm. find you and learn more, please? Yeah. So Instagram at Sky Cave and, um, and also on our website, skycaveretreats.com. And we tend to film a lot of people when they emerge from the darkness. And so on our Instagram and our website, there's a lot of those kind of exit interviews. And I think something that's really unique about it is uh, since there's no kind of overlay of how you do it and how it's done, there's people who go in there who touch something 
so profoundly new and different within themselves. And then they come out of the darkness and they share it through their lens. And so there's, there's a lot of wisdom that comes through it without people trying to actually be spiritual or wise. It's just people putting words to what happened to them in there. Yeah. Maybe I'm, I'm, you know, old and tired of everything going on around me, but man, this is fascinating to me, Scott. And I, I really appreciate you. T- where are you guys located at? Where, where, where are you at? Yeah, we're in Southern Oregon. Well, Scott, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for coming on and sharing. It's fascinating. Thank you, sir. Yeah, my pleasure. Have a good rest of the day. You too. That's Scott Berman, um, Sky Cave. Go, get, go give him a look. I mean, look, there, everything in the world is easy to knock, but I think this is fascinating. I do. I, I'm not saying I would do it. I would probably lose my mind. I would... I would be miserable, I think. I mean, you know, but it is fascinating. Wouldn't you just like at some point to just get away from everything that's hitting you? I, I you know, I don't know. Uh, we should do a four-day uh, retreat. And yes, Connie, and yes, you guys, you can, it seems, bring bourbon in there. Just don't be puking in the place. Seems like you could be, things like Jennifer, you could bring bourbon in there. Uh, I was fascinated. I am, as I know people won't believe this, but I am somewhat spiritual in my own way. And yesterday I had an unbelievable feeling when I went to St. Simon Church. I really didn't pay attention to the mass. I just kind of got in with myself. And it's always interesting. All right, we come back. Our friend Chad Withrow from Outkick 360 is going to join us. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real Steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. The YouTube chat is interesting because John Datsman, I'm going to ask Chad Withrow, our next guest, this. Dan, you would not last five hours. No DraftKings, no scores, no Big Ten, no nothing. We were talking uh, (laughs) just now with an interesting guy, Chad, Scott Berman, who runs four-day darkness retreats. And apparently you can bring stuff in. My listeners, of course, want to know, can you bring beer and bourbon in? Uh, I think the answer is yes. I don't know. How long would you last total darkness, four-day retreat? Well, it depends on if I have beer and bourbon, if that's part of the option plan. I, I could probably laugh. Because, look, you could, you could drink yourself to sleep, and then you could just be comatose for eight or nine hours. And then if you did that, intermittently throughout the experience i could probably last three or four days uh if it's just me in a room with nothing and uh, i know aaron Rodgers described it as you get to feel your way around the room in light before it starts to know where your food is and know where the bathroom is and everything i mean i'd probably last a day or two before tapping out and wanting to get out of there what's amazing to me is the, the old prison movies that we've all watched you know this is what going to the hole is this is solitary confinement the fact that someone would elect to do this, this was this was the penalty for not just being in prison, but for acting a fool in prison. 
was you were thrown into the hole for a day or two or whatever it was, and guys are coming out of there and they can't, you know, see the light and they're all bothered by everything. I can't imagine willfully deciding to throw yourself in the hole for any amount of time, whether you see a vision or not. It's it's crazy because at church yesterday we had a, a Sunday school class about the Sabbath and about relaxing your mind and not having any outside interference on the Sabbath and just not doing much. And the whole time, Dan, I'm thinking about maybe this is just Aaron Rodgers honoring the Sabbath to see something that God may be talking to him if he just shuts everything out and allows God to speak to him. Uh, I don't know if it's God talking to him. I don't know if it's just another hallucination or what's going on, but you couldn't it would take I, I I'll never say that. I won't say that you couldn't pay me enough money to do it. I'll say that it would take a lot of money for me to go through for the full four days to make this happen. Yeah, we just had the guy Scott Berman, and I gotta tell you, it is fascinating. And um I don't I could not do it, but I'm with you. I'm with you on the church thing. Like I I, I went yesterday, they were talking about kind of the same thing about Lent's coming up and they were talking and as soon as I got out of the car, I hit up all my friends with a parlay that I that, that I came up with, you know, in the middle of church. I'm going to hell, Chad. I'm I'm <laughs> I, I decided I'm going to hell. I'm it's going tough to, hell. to just turn the mind off, right? That, that's what I'm thinking the whole time I'm hearing about this at Sunday school. Like, put your phone away, you know, be present with your kids, be present with your family, or if you don't have kids and family, just you know, you basically disconnect. You don't think about work. You intentionally stop trying to hurry things down. And my problem is the moment you tell me not to think about something, what am I going to do? I'm going to start thinking about the right. next day's show, or I'm going to think about what I should do next, or I'm going to start thinking about a vacation that I should schedule coming up or a documentary that I want to watch that I haven't yet. So it's so hard to do it. I feel like the only true form of uh, meditation or uh, honoring a Sabbath or any of that for me is sleeping. You know, when I'm asleep for those six, seven hours a night or whatever it is, that's the only truly time that I'm, I'm, I'm at peace and I'm still and I'm not thinking about something. But the moment you tell me, or probably you too, Dan, to not think about something, we're going to automatically think about that thing. It, it's, it's, in, it's inherent to the brain. It's inherent to my brain. I'll tell you one thing I did not think about, and this may make me old white guy fine if I am, but I love basketball. I, I watch anything. Um, I go to high school games. I I'll go wherever, but I cannot watch the NBA all-star game. I just simply, I can't watch that. I can't watch the NHL. I can't watch where it's fake. You know what I'm saying? I just can't do it. Well, why can't we just have East versus West? That's what kills me right. about this. Now. Like it, it makes it uh, we were at 6th and Peabody last week, and they had an old uh, NBA All-Star game, I want to say from 97, on the big screen they were playing early in the day. And I'm watching the game then. I'm thinking, well, I mean, this is still not a real NBA game of that era, but at least it was a little bit more entertaining. I saw four or five misses in a row where guys were playing defense in the game, and I'm thinking, well, that's new. That That's, that's weird. I, I watched one clip from last night, and I saw Damian Lillard pull up from half court and hit a shot. Uh, with no one on them during the game. And it's just, it's so hard to watch. You got the coach of one of the teams even saying it's of team LeBron saying it's difficult to watch that game. I, I, I don't know what to do with it other than just make it East versus West again. 
you know, I'm maybe I'm like you and I'm just an old guy, but I feel like that's easier for me to comprehend when I know the teams in the Eastern Conference. If they're going to play each other in the finals and there's going to be an Eastern Conference playoffs and a Western Conference playoffs, why not have the Eastern Conference All-Stars versus the Western Conference All-Stars? I know this is a novel and crazy idea, but that makes it a lot simpler for my dumb brain to comprehend what's happening on the court as opposed to Team Giannis versus Team LeBron. You could even have Giannis and LeBron pick the teams. Giannis plays in the Eastern Conference. LeBron plays in the Western Conference. Name the team East and West. Giannis picks and drafts. And then LeBron, it's just so also dumb. I, 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 don't, I don't get it. I, I don't either. I, you know what? There is a saying, Dick Vermeil came to speak to uh, one of our teams at Indiana when he was rolling. And he, he, had a, he had a saying that we put, actually, Coach Knight, we, and I put it in my locker room at Bowling Green, it was simply, don't complicate winning. And it, it, it's a life lesson, really. Don't complicate your marriage. Don't complicate business. Don't complicate success. And, and, and it's like the NBA has to complicate this entire deal. No! East, West, Giannis, LeBron, great. I am so with you on this. And can we get somebody that we know in a slam dunk contest like back in the day? Yes, absolutely. And here's the other thing, too. You know, we talked about the the drafting of the teams. I I think on its face, it's a cool idea because you get to see guys make some uncomfortable decisions. But the fact that the league is now trying to not have a last pick scenario and do it in reverse, I'm thinking, come on. Because that should just be good motivation for whoever's the last pick. By the way, of the All-Star game, you are the last pick of the NBA right. All-Stars. That's right. not a bad spot to be in. If someone really wanted to question me about that, if a reporter asked me, and I'm the la- I'd am the, i be like, yeah, it's really tough to be the last pick of the All-Star game. I guess I'll have to go and show out the end of this season and show the guy who didn't pick me until last that I'm better than he thought, but I'm still an NBA All-Star. That's not a bad spot to be in at all. And it's funny you talk about you know not complicating things. I'm coaching my daughter's softball team right now, and I got some advice from someone along the way that's so smart that you know you coach during practice, and then when you get to the games, the little kids, you let them play, and you don't overcorrect, and you don't say too much to them, and then you can go back in the next practice and talk to them about different things. But we have a couple girls on our team who hit everything. Yesterday at practice, I'm, I'm pitching to them. They're hitting everything. And I find myself just not saying a word to them. And then when I'm done, I just say, hey, don't think. Just do whatever you just did. I'm not going to correct a thing. You hit the ball out in the outfield every time. So just keep doing that. And it puts a smile on their face. Maybe if you told the NBA or you told some other leagues, hey, just don't think. Just do what you know that works in the past and go about winning that way. Maybe you could put a smile on their face and then in turn – Put a smile on everyone else's face that enjoys that product. I agree with that. I, I, I totally agree. Let, let me go to something that I've been saying I want your opinion. For us here in Indianapolis, and maybe you there in Tennessee as well, bringing Aaron Rodgers into Indy, it, it, on the surface, well, it's another old guy coming in. But I've said this for years about Indianapolis. Curious your thoughts. You know, back when Tom Brady was available, I said, look, I don't know whether Tom Brady can play. I don't know whether Peyton Manning can play. But when they walk into the building, they elevate the entire franchise. And it's no coincidence 
that Peyton Manning, when he wasn't good enough, all of a sudden wins the Super Bowl, gets to two with Denver, and Tom Brady comes into Tampa, who was good enough, and he was. Uh, they win a Super Bowl and get to two. I'm telling you, a team like Indianapolis that is in the doldrums or a team like, you name it, Carolina or the Jets, uh, whatever, you need an adult in the room to elevate. You need somebody to elevate your franchise. I'm calling for Rodgers to Indianapolis and Tennessee. I think it would be an upgrade for either one. There's no doubt about it. So I, I'm very simple on this. If you have a chance to upgrade your team, especially at quarterback, and you're a GM, you have to look into it. I'm not saying automatically say yes, depending on what the price is, to trade for that person or bring them in, but you are not doing your job. <clears throat> Excuse me. If you're not evaluating that move and you're not looking into it, I think the same about Aaron Rodgers at any of the places that you mentioned. And not just that. Think about the Jets specifically. Very young roster, a talented roster, but very young have not experienced really any success, most of the guys in that team. You bring in Aaron Rodgers, think about the energy that brings you. Whether he's washed or whatever, that is a guy that is automatically going to come in and he's going to give you a shot in the arm. So I, I would say that about Indy. I think the Titans are a little bit different. They've had a little bit more success in that roster, uh, especially some of the guys who have been there for a while. Ryan Tannehill, though, I, I I would say Aaron Rodgers is an upgrade. I don't think Derek Carr is an upgrade from Ryan Tannehill. I think they're kind of the same guy for the most part, so I, right. I don't agree with that move. But And Derek Carr is going to help a New Orleans or help a Carolina or a Tampa if he ends up in one of those NFC South spots. But Derek Carr is not going to bring the same amount of energy that bringing in Aaron Rodgers would do. I feel like Aaron Rodgers to the Jets is inevitable. That's the one I look at, and I think that is a young team that has to figure out how to win and win big. They won some games this past year. They did so with really without a good quarterback at all. Bring in Aaron Rodgers. He's going to be a massive upgrade at that position. And in doing so, you give your team stability at quarterback. You give your team a shot in the arm from an energy standpoint. You bring in a guy who's won a lot in the NFL. I think that completely transforms that team. That That's the spot that makes the most sense. But, Dan, to your point, if he goes to the Colts, if he goes to the Raiders, if he goes to any number of teams outside of seven or eight spots in the league based on their quarterback situation, he's an upgrade. That's right. You know, I, here's what I – the Colts tried to – now you've had Tannehill for a while. The Colts tried to sell us on Matt Ryan is this unbelievable leader. Chris Ballard said, oh, I couldn't believe being in his presence, what magnetism he had. They tried to sell us on Phillip Rivers. They tried to sell us on the comeback of Carson Wentz. And don't get me wrong, Rivers and certainly Ryan, really good quarterbacks, maybe Hall of Famers. That, but there's something different when Tom Brady or Peyton Manning or Aaron Rodgers walks into your building. Every, I call it sitting up straight. Everybody's got to sit up straight. You know, everybody's, you know, we got to we gotta get to this guy's level. That's how I see it. Derek Carr doesn't do that for anybody. No, and, and these guys, I mean, think about the young guys in the Jets roster, the Colts roster. They grew up playing Madden NFL games as Aaron Rodgers right. or as Tom Brady. I mean, there is a different amount of reverence for a guy like that. We're also talking about first ballot Hall of Famers, and they all know this, right? I mean, they're, they're coming – this is one where everybody looks around the room in the Hall of Fame voting process, and they say the name, and they say, okay, yep, all right, let's move on. And there's no discussion about it because you know that's going to be the case. And these players all, all know that. 
Matt Ryan's a great pro, a really good dude by all accounts, has had a lot of success in the league, but you're spot on. Matt Ryan is not bringing the same level of energy as an Aaron Rodgers or a Tom Brady or a Peyton Manning or a you go down the list of Hall of Fame guys in the last 15 to 20 years. Aaron Rodgers immediately brings that clout to someone. And I don't think it's not, it's not just about guys standing up in the room and sitting at attention when they walk into a meeting room. I think it's a, for a lot of the guys, it's I better do what this guy says so I right. get the football from him. If you're a receiver, if you're a tight end, and Aaron Rodgers is there, you're going to follow his program. You're going to do exactly what he says. You're going to listen more intently, way more intently than you would to Zach Wilson, let's say as an example. And that's going to make your team better overall. So, I, look, quarterback is the spot that is more important in the NFL than head coach. It's more important than any other position in the organization. More important than general manager is the quarterback. So when the quarterback is improved and everyone listens to the quarterback and he can help your team, it's only going to help you win more games. And I, I see that with any of these possibilities for Aaron Rodgers, even for the Titans that you mentioned. I think it puts everyone at attention with the Titans and helps them. I just don't think they need it as much as the Jets, the Raiders, the Colts, sure. the Panthers, any of those teams that are in a, in a bad QB spot right now. Yeah, what you're talking about with the receivers is what I mean by sitting up straight. I'm not necessarily talking about it in a meeting. I'm just talking about, it. you know, everybody's level gets jacked up in, in preparation, film study. You just – they're just some guys. Now, whether he's a jerk or not, hey, look, he's been 18 years – in one place. I don't care who it is. You're there 18 years in one place. You know what? It gets old. It gets stale. It gets to where people don't like it. Last thing, uh, <coughs> excuse me, uh, before I let you go, we're talking about Aaron Rodgers, one of the things, well, you mentioned Tannehill. You know, they did draft Willis. They did play Willis. Um, is, is, is he the future? Is he, would he be a reason you don't go after a car or a Rodgers? No, I don't think he's in their plans that much at all. Look, I, I think Malik Willis was, I'll, I'll say it plainly, he was not good at all in the chances that he got this year. And, and he looked like a guy that was the knock on him coming out of Liberty. He was going to have a hard time playing in a pro-style offense. And he looked like a guy who had a hard time playing in a pro-style offense. Josh Dobbs was much better when they signed him off the street and he came in to start for them. In a couple of games, I think Willis is coming back to compete for the backup job with Josh Dobbs uh, for Ryan Tannehill. I think Josh Dobbs will win that spot. And then I think the Titans are going to have a decision to make with their third round pick from a year ago in Malik Willis on cutting him on, on what's going to happen next with him. Um, so that that's going to be a tough spot for them. But he doesn't factor in at all uh, with with the Titans. The Titans are still in need of their future right now. So, you know, would it completely shock me? If there was a scenario where the Titans traded down in the first round and Hendon Hooker was there and they drafted him to be the future at quarterback, wouldn't completely shock me. But the Titans need so much along that offensive line that they need to go offensive line in the first round more than anything else. But Malik Willis doesn't factor in with that at all. If they make the move for Aaron Rodgers, that's them announcing our window is still open. We're only a year removed from being the number one overall seed in the AFC. We're going to go get Aaron Rodgers. We're going to upgrade on offense. And we're going to have another two-year window where we're going to go out and try to win a Super Bowl. I think that's what you're saying. Yeah. And, Dan, you're putting everything else on hold, right? 
you're putting the future on hold. You're putting the future quarterback on hold at that point, and you're saying we're going to have a stopgap of Aaron Rodgers and try to win it all and try to get him one more Super Bowl ring. I think that's a statement if they go for Rodgers, but I don't think Malik Willis factors into that at all. Appreciate you, my man. Talk to you this afternoon. Thanks, Chad. All right, Dan. Always fun. Have a great week. Yeah, that's good stuff right there with uh, Chad Withrow of OutKick360. Look, here's the deal. Uh, You want, if you are the Colts or you are the Jets, I mean, you can go along or you can elevate your franchise. And don't for a second tell me that Derek Carr does it. Derek Carr may be better than what you currently have, but he ain't elevating the franchise. Elevating the franchise is really difficult. I mean, really, truly difficult. There's nothing easy about it. Uh, We had a Twitter poll. Are you coming to the Outkick Darkness Retreat 2023? Uh, Our darkness retreat would be a bonfire. Uh, I love Southern Comfort now. Are you coming? Now, 68% of you said no. 32% of you are true warriors. True warriors of the faith. True people that are trying to get away and off the grid. That's right. We would sit around a fire, uh, get hammered, tell stories, laugh. By the way, friend of mine, uh, I got to tell this. I, I, I didn't know this was still a thing. Uh, some of you may know what this is. Do you know what Southern Comfort is? So we get to Terre Haute. I'm not feeling great uh, the other day. We're driving over, and a friend of mine goes into uh, – we go, we stop, we get gas. We're literally a block down the street from the gym, so we're going to park, but I got to go to the bathroom. So we go to the bathroom. He gets out a couple little airplane bottles, and I look. He got Southern Comfort and Fireball. So I go park. He's like, here, this will make you feel better. So he hands me a little mini of Southern Comfort. Now, look, Southern Comfort to me is the same as Mad Dog 2020. It's the same as Boone's Farm, is it not? I mean, this is crap from the past. This is crap, uh, but I drink it. I'm not going to lie to you. It was really good. Who would have thunk Southern Comfort? Southern Comfort. You guys know, Jennifer, you know, El Pre, you know, Southern Comfort. Hey, look, if you can't get Mad Dog, get Southern Comfort. If you can't get Boone's Farm, get Southern Comfort. John Dantzman says that was my drink of choice. Jennifer and Jody, and you guys want a darkness retreat. I'll be your Sherpa. Hey, do we have a woke adult other than our freaking president who seems to care more about others? Do we have a... <coughs> oh, man. I don't even know what non-binary means. This is true. I'm not learning non-binary. I'm not learning binary. I'm not learning cis. I'm not learning any of the words. I'm not. I'm sorry. I don't care if you get mad at me. I don't want to know. Uh, that's my daughter. Well, is she non-binary? I don't know. That's my daughter. Well, you need to tell... No, that's my daughter. That's my son. Well, is he non-binary? That's my son. Son. Penis. Son. Vajayjay. Daughter. Leave me the frick alone. Just because your level of crazy is high, oh, I'll definitely bring the bourbon, doesn't mean I got to participate in it. Just because you make up words to satisfy your own stupidity doesn't mean I've got to participate in it. I will not participate in it. I shouldn't have to participate in it. You're a male. You're a female. Hey, you want to change it up and change your genders? Don't care. Good for you. Last thing. Oh, by the way, I had an interesting discussion with a person totally inside Purdue. You know, remember my little rant 
on Travis Eady and Braden Smith that all the little blogger boys got mad about, that all the little Purdue fans, apparently it resonated. Apparently Smith and Eady, they're like, yeah, he's right. Who you want to be in life? Do you want to be somebody who needs your backside wiped, or do you want to be somebody that's wiping backsides? Neither are good. Do you want to be somebody leading? Do you want to be somebody following? Do you want to be the big dog, or do you want to be just another guy? You tell me. You tell me, but I got to tell you, I got it on good authority that that little rant, that little rant resonated inside Purdue's locker room big, big, big time. Big time. So people that are on my backside about it, I got two words for you. Kiss my backside. Don't question Dockage when it comes to hoops. Don't question Dockage when it comes to the psychology hoops. Well, why is your record not better? I'll tell you why. Because as a coach, I was a head coach for 10 years. Seven of those 10 years, I lost my two best players. Five, I lost my three best players. Don't at me, people, with garbage. If I tell you something about hoops, who cares what the little blogger boys think? Who cares what the little writers think? Who cares what the little fanboys think? You want to be smart, you listen to Doc. I may turn the lights off here tonight. Oh, last thing. You know what I got to do today? You know these testosterone things that I've been on, this um, uh, Affinity Whole Health? It's unbelievable. I have not missed a workout. This isn't an advertisement. This is me trying to help dudes. Like, for years, I've been telling you, like, get something. I needed help. I would take steroids. I'll take anything. Anything. You name it, I'll take it. In fact... I just started a thing with QC Kinetics, took the most painful shot in my knee, but for the first time in ever, my knee feels great. Do yourself a favor. Whatever it is, do something about it. Whether it's going into a room for four days because you want to go off the grid, do something about it. Whether it's Affinity Whole Health to get testosterone. Lee gives me a shot once a week right in the belly, and then I'm chasing her around, baby. I haven't missed a workout even when I was sick. So do something about it. Let's make this uh, Don't At Me Mental Health Week. So tomorrow when you join the show, tell me what you've done for your mental health. I'm going to Whole Health or, or uh, Affinity uh, Whole Health today right after the show. I'm putting my shoes on and I'm going and I'm getting a re-up of my testosterone because I ran out. Do yourself a favor. Seriously. Do something for your mental health. Get off Twitter for an hour, whatever, and then report back here tomorrow. That's right. It's Mental Health Week in honor of Aaron Rodgers coming to the Colts. Oh, by the way, speaking of mental health, uh, uh, Russell Westbrook is coming to the, uh, the Clippers. Good for Russell Westbrook. He and Paul George can tell you how great they both are. They'll be arguing within two minutes. Paul George is the biggest fraud in basketball. All right, it's mental health. Connie, let's get some Blantons. Let's sit around. Let's have a chat. I should do a podcast like uh, Joe Rogan where we sit around, we drink bourbon, and we have a chat because here's something. When I have two drinks, I'm buying stuff. That's right. If I have two drinks, I'm buying a vacation. I was going to Japan, and then my wife goes, Dan, uh, do you really want to do that? And I go, no. Fred Haviland, thank you so much. Have a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful afternoon. I'm going to get some testosterone, baby. See you later.